Welcome, welcome. You're listening to our podcast, Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. My name is Mark. I'm a registered massage therapist, registered kinesiologist here in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And we have Amanda and MJ. MJ sitting on the couch. Amanda is in the Captain Kirk chair, her new spot. Yeah, I have been, I don't know if I've been promoted or demoted from the couch. I can't tell. I think it's a promotion. It's a captain. He's the captain of the freaking Starfleet. Yeah, but I was so chill and relaxed on that couch. Okay, I'm just saying. <laughs> Put the chair in the middle of the room, though. No, 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 no. Hey, everyone. It's Amanda, registered massage therapist in Toronto. And as Mark said, we have a guest today. And uh, this was very interesting how she ended up on our couch. Um, I like to go for pedicures every two months, you know, keep my feet pretty and feeling good. And Monique, uh, did I say start with saying MJ or Monique? No, I'm we haven't yet. We haven't yet. Okay. So our guest's name is Monique Yaustra, but she goes by MJ. And uh, she owns a nail salon that opened up like walking distance from where I live. Can I ask so you a it question? was perfect. Why get your feet done in the winter? Who the hell's seeing your feet? You are. Other than me. Who's seeing your feet? <laughs> I don't know. It's something I like to do for me. I love and it. And it's not just for, for you. I mean, nobody's impervious to healthy feet. We're standing on them all the time. As a massage therapist, you carry a lot of weight on your feet, mm-hmm. carrying the babies around. Mm-hmm. And there's callus that can build up on that. And nobody likes their feet scratching against the bed sheets. Yeah, just wonder. <laughs> so in one of my, you know, every eight week pedicures, uh, Monique and I started talking as uh, actually somebody else was giving my, me my pedicure that day, but we were just chatting and I found out that she has done massage therapy. She has done reflexology. She has um, owned or been the spa director. Did you own the spa? I don't know, but she's done so many different things in different provinces, in different countries all within this health and wellness realm. So I said to her, come on the podcast. You are interesting. Happy and, to be here. Uh, yeah, actually, just as she came in today off mic and started telling me about everything she's done, I realized there's so much. So I'm going to pass it over to MJ, and she can start from the very beginning. <laughs> so thank you for coming and hanging out with us today. Well, thanks for having me here today, Mark and Amanda. Appreciate being here and the opportunity. I mean, I think for massage therapists, we always kind of fall into the industry because something has inspired us. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> I'm laughing. I got inspired because my engagement fell apart. I was drunk for a long time, and I wanted to meet girls like that. Actually, it was an inspiration. <laughs> yeah, that's Actually. true. This is this is long before meeting me. <laughs> Let me be a massage therapist. Okay. Well, and I mean there there was such a misconception with massage therapy, especially pre two thousands. You know, and um, I got inspired because I had a motor vehicle accident, and I was actually going in the direction of law. And part of my rehab was physiotherapy. And it kind of got me into researching some things that I had an opportunity from graduating from the baccalaureate program uh, to go on scholarship uh, to Hawaii and study kinesiology. So I did that back in the 90s and, uh, you know, evolved from there, studied uh, in Washington State, California, Vancouver, Calgary, and uh, ultimately landed here in Ontario. So it has morphed over the years. Um, I've always been really interested in health and wellness. And, you know, the gratifying part about it is, is that you're not really giving 
your patients bad news all the time. There's always something that you've done to improve their day, their mood, their energy, um, and even just showing simple support um, Mm -hmm. can really make an impact. And that's how I was impacted by my massage therapist. So it had me inspired to pursue the career a little further. And in doing so, uh, when I had moved back to Canada, I also studied shiatsu therapy and was on the board as the vice president of the British Columbia Shiatsu Association. And that was largely in part because I felt that the Western philosophy with Swedish massage and techniques could only take me so far with my patients. So I wanted to study the Eastern philosophy and understand the energy pathways, the meridians within the body, and see if we could just take them a little bit further um, beyond the traditional, what we're, what we're, mm-hmm. we're familiar with. And uh, so that, that served me quite well. Moved over to Calgary and was working at the University of Calgary Chronic Pain Clinic at 25 and uh, was working with some real hot shots, worked as a trainer for the Calgary Flames, uh, a few different uh, other NHL teams, and traveled as the trainer for uh, the Canadian Olympic gymnast team. So learned a lot from from those experiences, uh, but also realized that it was very taxing on me mm-hmm. um, emotionally and sometimes even physically with the pro athletes. I found that uh, anyone who was maybe 15 to 20 percent more heavier than myself, um, I really felt like I could feel the pain of providing the, the treatment and mm-hmm. wanted to try to see if I could do something lighter. So I had cut my hours back in the clinic and applied for a job at a spa as a registered massage therapist. So I was doing morning shift um, at the clinic and then afternoons, 2 till 6 p.m. And this is in Calgary In still, Calgary, right? okay. yeah, in Calgary um, as a, um, you know, general Swedish massage therapist. And being in the spa environment, I've always been really into beauty and, you know, the aesthetics. So not just wellness internally, but also externally. And I got really captivated with the aesthetics. So I studied uh, aesthetics over the one year on weekends and got my advanced aesthetics diploma in Calgary. And then at that point, I was approached by Fairmont Hotels for a training position for spa manager, spa director. So I went out to Lake Louise, uh, was groomed there, and then... um, became spa director at the Chateau uh, Lake Louise and then transferred over to Banff as their spa director as well. Then made the homage over here to Ontario a few years later and uh, did some, again, some spa directing out here for some of the really big hotels. And about a year and a half ago, I realized that uh, it was time for a change. Being in a corporate environment and being, you know, everything so structured, uh, the commute to downtown Toronto, everyone knows that that is Super crazy fun. making. Crazy making. Sucks. That's all there is to it. You know, <laughs> 10 hour days is a man- in management and then an hour and a half to two hours on the road. Um, so I had spoken to my fiance about it and he said, listen, you've been doing this for so many years. There must be something you can come up with. I'd also actually um, opened up, I think it was in 2006 to 2009, I opened up 27 medical spas across Canada. So I do understand the formula for opening a new business and what Mm -hmm. it takes and not having to invest hundreds of thousands of dollars or tens of thousands of dollars. I know exactly what to do on a very, very lean budget uh, to open up 
a new location and negotiate abatement terms and stuff like that. So coincidentally, uh, the space that you were speaking of, our new new place, Nail Fix in the Six, uh, that space became available about two months prior to us actually taking possession of it. It was formerly managed and, and ran by um, a hair salon and was just a single shop owner. Uh, and she was at the end of her lease, and the space is just across the street from where me and my partner live. Mm-hmm. So everything kind of came together, right? Uh, put it in your mind, you can put it into effect. So that was manifested, and now we're looking to open up six locations in the six over the next three years. That was a lot of information. Yeah, I want to go back to Hawaii, if <laughs> yeah. that's okay. Yeah, yeah. let's start yeah. at when the I'm beginning. When I'm probably saying it wrong, <laughs> because every time I hear someone that's from Hawaii, they say it much differently than I say Hawaii, right? How, would you, how do you say it properly? I just say Hawaii. Okay. Hawaii. Cool. Yeah, see, we're Canadian. We probably are not saying it. Gotcha. It's like when we watch. I'm Canadian too. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. All of us are Canadian. We're we probably say not saying it properly. But it's like when we watch Hawaii Five O. Some of the words they say, we're like, what? 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 Like really? they say, they say Hawaii. Yes. Yeah, Hawaii. Okay. So I had a couple questions about this. One, I'm under the impression that Hawaii is very strange. You're either really rich or really poor. Is that true? You know, for a lot of the locals there, um, it was their native land for the Samoan people. When the Americans came in and it became a United State, it became a hot spot for tourism. Gotcha. So a lot of the local people there feel a little... How do you say bitter? This is my second question. I feel like, and I don't know why I'm under this impression that the locals just fucking hate anyone that's not Agreed. that's not local. Agreed. And he, he said it so eloquently too, right? Yes. <laughs> um, but it's true. It's true. Uh, the, the, they feel like their land has been stolen. Uh, 70% of Oahu is owned by the Japanese foreign investment in terms of their properties. A lot of the local Hawaiian natives um, are living in a hotel room because they cannot afford proper housing. Mm-hmm. And they've got a family of eight inside that hotel room Um, and they're all working within the service industry so there were certain parts of the island when we had orientation uh, at university saying don't go there there's a lot of locals there and they might give you guys some flack Um, myself being half Dutch and half Indonesian working on the tan and as I was there they would call me hapahauli meaning half white so I kind of was okay <laughs> and I didn't get the flack so I could go to the north shore and and go surfing and and doing stuff like that but yes definitely there's a lot of bitterness about their land being taken away for the commercialization of the United States it's one of the in the south pacific uh it is it is a, a first world country there, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but here, when we have speak of our the West Indies, um, it's still considered second world, right? Yeah. But the lifestyle is very, very the same, right. and they've got a strong influence of um, Jawaian music there, which is a combination of Jamaican and Hawaiian beats and rhythms and stuff like that. Why have I never heard of Jawaiian music? That makes sense to me. It makes sense, but I'm like, Jamaican music is all rhythmic off-time stuff. That's essentially what it is. Mm -hmm. So like reggae and ska is all off-time stuff. And so it's a combination of the two. Like local Hawaiian stuff, but in an off-time feel. Look at that. Yeah, Maybe I made that up. I don't know. (laughs) No, but it it, it really is. You definitely can feel the the reggae beats and the reggae rhythms in there. But then... 
the Native Hawaiian people also have their own broken English, like I was saying, hapa haoli. So haoli mm-hmm. means white person, but it's more of a derogatory term, like the Americans would say a honky yep. from okay, back in the day. Right, so right. they call it haoli. So somebody, if a, a local Hawaiian person were to call you haoli, you just nod your head and keep on walking because those Samoan people are quite large and they quite don't like that, you. Those are, that sounds like a, a fighting term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, you just grin and, and, and keep on walking. You can understand the bitterness, though, so much. I mean, one, like you said, their land was essentially stolen. And now it is like crazy expensive for somebody to go to Hawaii. So it's all these rich white tourists and Japanese. Are, and Japanese and Japanese it's uh it's it's a really really big thing for the Japanese to be traveling there even in Oahu in Waikiki specifically it's nothing but fine hotels and fine shops so you've got you know Chanel Escada right. Prada Louis Vuitton everything there um I remember being in Hawaii back in 1991 guys and there I went to a store, not realizing, and it had shoes, and there was some bling bling inside there, and women love everything that sparkles. So I went inside, and the shoes were $700 in 1991. Oh and God. I didn't realize that Manolo Blahnik was a thing. Hmm. Like, I, I had no idea coming from, from, you know, small Canada with all of these expensive high labels and, and high-end stuff. But the Japanese, I mean, to put it in perspective, at that time, the average Canadian citizen was pulling in about $40,000 a year. Right. And the average Japanese was pulling in $400,000 a year, the middle class Japanese. So when they would come to the United States, their exchange was so bountiful for them. They could do the shopping and the fine dining mm-hmm. and the tours and everything else like that and feel no way. And that's why they were able to um, buy up a lot of the property there as well. Mm. Yeah. So how long were, were you in Hawaii? Just for the four years? Uh, three years, actually. Three years. I was okay. fortunate to um, get fast-tracked with my baccalaureate. So you got your uh, degree in kinesiology in Hawaii. And business management. And business management. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then once you graduated, did you stay there in Hawaii or did you go straight to... I went to California, California. University of Southern California in Anaheim. I was also very athletic back then. So um, I was actually playing uh, second string for the ball team down there as well. Nice. So that was that was that was a good run. Um, a lot of good experiences. I mean, I was a little traumatized by Los Angeles because it was so fast paced and so materialistic. And I've always c- considered myself a little bit more granola chic. So <laughs> it was really like... Oh, I love that granola chic. What did you start calling like hippie people? Tree huggers? No, there was something, something muffin. Earth muffins? Earth muffins. I got that from... Uh, from uh, oh, you got Omar. that from... Okay. I'm learning Earth all these muffin. new terms. Earth muffin, yeah, yeah, granola chic. I, I love all of it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Keep going. So, so yeah. So, I mean, be, being in, in L.A., I mean, it was very, very fast paced. And being a young woman, um, I was actually there uh, during the OJ trial. Mm. So that was really, really interesting time. Um, they had also their 7.8 earthquake there when I was there. Did a quick tour over there and then transferred to Wazoo, Washington State University. And uh, was in love at the time, but uh, the love did not last. So what was his name? Andre. Yes. And uh, it didn't last. So um, I did not finish the program in Washington State. But and which program were you in at this time? For massage therapy. This was as for well. massage. Yeah. Okay. It, it, the interesting thing about massage therapy is that 
academically, I've always been very talented, but for massage, you know, you can go to a party and somebody can come behind you and, and put their hands on your neck and, and you're like, wow, your hands are so good, but they've never had any formal training and they're just naturally talented. Yep, for sure. I was not one of those people. So in terms of all of the theory and everything, I did excellent on, but my rhythm and my flow was like two left hands working on someone. <laughs> so I didn't have the confidence and I was, I was, I felt like my flow wasn't really there. I understood everything everything, but it's just so nervous because you're dealing with an actual human. And for me to get past that barrier, it took some training. So I was like, I'm not going to practice until I feel like I've got my flow. So you were like way too inside your head versus just like, I know it sounds so granola, but I find that when I'm treating someone, yes, the technical stuff is in my head, but I'm, I'm doing the treatment and only kind of going with what my hands are feeling. Right. Like I'm I'm not right. really so inside, but you were just way too inside your head because- At that time I was, yeah. You're so academic, I guess. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, you know, always striving for perfection and, and mm -hmm. it's like, it's not perfect. You've got to kind of do things ad hoc sometimes, right? And somebody can say, oh, well, my neck is bothering me, but then you can notice that there might be something in their QLs that is, is how do you say, like, starting that or igniting that, right? right. Where, the, where the causes are. So it took me a little while to kind of intuitively be able to follow that. And I think the Shiatsu program that I took really helped me kind of balance all of that stuff out. Um, and then the, the confidence came. And uh, yeah, I was, I was really happy when I was treating. Unfortunately, when I went to school, they didn't train us about self-care, by the time, oh gosh, geez, guys, I'm really dating myself here. Anyways. It's okay. I'm 44. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, well, I'm older, so what the fuck? <laughs> but, but you uh, don't look it. So oh, well, thank good. you. Thank you. I probably look like the oldest one in this room, and I'm the youngest. Awesome. Not, I'm no, so glad you guys can't even, see us. Not even. Not but your even. feet look great, right? <laughs> oh, why do you have to bring that up? I haven't seen MJ in two months. Maybe they don't look great. <laughs> they don't look so good, guys. <laughs> Um, but no, I, I, I definitely think that by the time I had kind of branched off into doing the massage therapy and doing the shiatsu, which was super effective with the trigger point therapy, my arms started feeling like they were like two flat tires, yeah. you know, I had developed so much muscle on my hands. Um, I had some metacarpal crowding in my wrists. You know, I was before going into treatment, you know, taping, bandaging, tensor bandaging so that I wouldn't hyperextend my wrist so much mm. and uh, just got to the point where I was like, I'm, I'm out of gas, like literally on the 401 with, with two flat tires. So that's when I knew I had to transition. And that's kind of when I went into the more of the spa management. And I knew there were a lot of massage therapists out there who were super talented, but they weren't in the right lane in terms of how to develop their career and to be in a good environment from a director or a manager who typically are not service providers. They don't understand the plight of the therapist. They don't understand that, you know, you can't be done exactly on that hour because maybe your client had a hard time getting onto the table. Maybe they had to use the restroom partway through their treatment. And there's always things to be delayed. And most spa directors in a fine hotel environment are very rigid and regimented about, you know, the metrics of everything. And it's not always like that when you're dealing with people, especially with injured people. So I think I did a pretty good job for number one, vetting proper pay for massage therapists and not putting them on an hourly rate because even 
$20 an hour was far too little to pay a, a massage therapist, although the people at head office with Fairmont at the time thought that was plenty of money. And I was like, that's, that's really not a lot. Because even in the 90s, I wouldn't leave my house for less than $50. So um, I think that made a big impact. And that carried all the way over till to the last place that I was working at with, with Hilton and um, Starwood Hotels, um, where we were paying the therapist by the minute. And um, rather than a commission split, because if, let's say, the, the company wants to increase their charges, then the commission will always increase and you're never, as an owner, getting away from that structure. So we were paying them by the minute depending on what type of treatment they were delivering. So if it was a specialized treatment, they would get the premium rate per minute. Um, if it was a repeat client, because we wanted to encourage them to retain their clients, we would um, give them the premium rate. But if it was a promotional, we'd give them a, a, a lower rate. Mm -hmm. And um, just for a regular one, we can kind of give them a, a mid-range rate per minute. And it went from $0.90 cents to about $1.25. And I felt that that was fair, equitable pay for the therapist and all of the work that they're delivering, mm -hmm. right? So I'm still friends with all of my former massage therapist employees. Uh, contractors um, and they've they've really appreciated the fact that they're like there's nowhere in Toronto that I can work and make this kind of money unless I open up my own practice but then you're dealing with overheads right that was something um, you just reminded me of something I noticed when I first started coming to get my nails done at your place was that you own the place you've got like awesome staff working for you and you guys are busy but you're still providing services as well like, well, not it, always, but I mean, you're in there on backup. So it's yeah. like you have, be, like you said, you you come from being the service provider, so you know what they're dealing with. So you're not just managing a bunch of people that you have no idea what their workday is like. You're right in there with them. Yeah, and I think it it humanizes me as well, right, mm -hmm. with the staff because you know rather than telling you do this, you do this, you've got this at three, four, five, whatever. It's like I understand what they're going through, and I have no problems rolling up my sleeves and going in. Most nail salons, the owner will take the first dibs on all of the clients coming in, and we're not structured like that. So I want our staff, our team, to be making their money, and if somebody's coming in and they're all booked, then I'll certainly take the overflow if I'm around and available 100%. Mm -hmm. um, and that'll garner new business for future, right? You know, you can see any of our staff. We've got um, set protocols. I've got a 62-page protocol book on all of our services. So everything is done the same way all the time um, with with our clients. And I think that's important too. You know, if you mm -hmm. go for a pedicure with a girlfriend and someone starts filing the bottom of your feet and the other one's clipping the toenails, you almost feel like you might be losing out on something. Yeah. It's like, is she getting a better service than me? right now or Mark's they forget something is looks like I have no idea what you're talking about but this is so real I've gone with myself and like my two girlfriends and all of us are getting pedicures we all start at the same time and I'm sitting in the middle and yeah I'm looking at this one getting a foot massage this one getting her foot filed and my girl's already like starting to apply polish I'm like whoa how am I so far ahead of you guys? Right. What did I? What did you skip that I didn't get? Exactly. I mean, it's not nice. Certainly, there are times that people will come in who are very well maintained with their feet and their fingers, and you know we can just kind of fly through the service. But we're selling time, mm -hmm. so um, the girls know that if someone has really beautiful feet, it's a quick touch up. We're going to spend a long time on their massage, and right. there's no cutting corners. And if somebody has, you know excessive neglect of their feet, 
Um, they may not get as long of a massage, but we'll still give it to them. But we're not going to be stretching it out because we're all within right. the same time frame. And and it's like it's like the ballet, you know. Everybody's kind of doing everything at the same time. It's like a symphony when it goes on. And I think that that really keeps the brand consistent. I have uh, maybe two major questions. One from being in such an academic environment, no offense, massage therapists, and I probably shouldn't say this because most of the people that listen to the podcast are massage therapists. Sure. It's not the most academic thing to go to massage therapy school. So how do you go from being such an academic to like, I'm going to take massage therapy and do body work? Well, as I said, you know, I, 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 I had a terrible car accident when I was 18 years old. I was run over by a drunk driver three times and oh I was God. terribly injured. Whoa, three times? Yeah. How does that... Yeah, the, the back tires reversed then the front tires reversed and the front tires rolled over again so it was it was pretty extensive and I was actually um, accepted to McGill for pre-law this is what I'm talking about yeah, like, yeah. This, is a, this is a big fucking jump uh, yeah. on, on the mind scale here, it is right? it is but part of the therapy and my rehab was you know massage therapy physiotherapy and chiropractic care mm -hmm. yeah. and it made such an impact on me in terms of quote-unquote saving me you know, and allowing me to, because I was always very athletic. I, I you know, I played soccer. I figure mm -hmm. skated. I was in the opening ceremonies uh, for the 88 Olympic Games. Like, I was very, very athletic. Mm -hmm. And uh, for me, you know, being able to get my physical self back, it really made a profound impact. And how much they helped me and how patient they were with me and all of the trauma that I had gone through. Because mm -hmm. uh, I did have some PTSD post-accident. Um it just it just really left an impression on me. And I thought, geez, you know, studying corporate law, like all I'm going to be doing is fighting people for the rest of my life. And I don't want to do that. Mm. Mm -hmm. um, and something inside me had changed. So the softer side of me, not the cerebral side, but the emotional side of me came into play. And I thought, you know what, I want to help people the way I've been helped. And I want to be able to contribute in a positive way to people's lives and not tell them, well, hey, listen, you forgot to put a comma in that particular clause there. So therefore, you know, uh, you're going to lose everything or, you know, whatever bad news it might be. So for me, being able to help people and genuinely care for them and give them something um, was the biggest reward. And I've lived my life that way ever since, you know, mm -hmm. money isn't everything. Mm -hmm. um, happiness is. And if you're truly happy at what you're doing, you're going to make the money and you will be successful. If it's shining shoes, cutting hair, it doesn't matter what it is, right? But if you're really passionate about what it is that you're doing, you will be successful, right? And I think we have said that over and over yeah. and over again on the podcast. And the second thing is going from athlete to working in athletics, which is like the fucking dream job yeah, for, sure. for a therapist that is way into athletics. And the only thing that made you switch that off was working it was too much and working too hard and the time or like is there does any part of you that says i fucking miss that world oh a hundred percent the i mean the the only reason why i stopped is because my arms gave out I, like I, I couldn't get through a whole day i could barely get through a whole treatment so if i was doing a treatment on a guy who's 220 and at the time i was about a 150 yeah. pretty tall right um 
it was taxing on me. And I was like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I, I really need to reinvent. And at the time, I think I was like 25, 26 years old. So I was way too young to retire. It wasn't even yeah. near retirement just, at that point. I just know so many people that would love to be in that position. And they'd be like, I'm never fucking giving this thing up ever. Well, it's also like she said as well, the education was different back then. Like there's so many, we see it on social media all the time. There's all these new like courses and different um, like modalities and tools that you can add to your treatments, especially when working with athletes that do save your body a little bit. If all you were using were mostly your hands and your manual therapy skills, then yeah, you can see how that could get taxing when you're working on, you know, guys with super low body fat percentage. So they're just muscle. Yeah. It's exhausting. No, really, really dead. I mean, I loved working on them because they're pro athletes. They work out for a living. Well, that's right. Thing, right? And their tissue response right. was so high. I mean, we could treat a groin injury in two weeks Right, and that that that's unheard of with us regular people, yep. right? Because um, their tissue response was so high, so I enjoyed it a lot. But as I said, like it was nothing I could sustain. Nobody told me about you know maybe getting some acupuncture, making sure that you're icing at the end of the day, you know, doing your stretches. Like I don't know. nobody nobody said anything about that. And and back then we didn't have keyboards either. Like we weren't on the internet, the World Wide Web. We yep. didn't have all of that stuff where people were getting carpal tunnel syndrome from being on the on the uh, computer so much and stuff like this. So mm-hmm. this just wasn't kind of in the forefront of 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 what I knew. And that's that's probably the one part that I'm just a little bit bitter bit about. Had I had the education, I'd probably still be practicing. Yeah, because everyone I know that is into that. Like everyone I know that's either a sport massage therapist or a sport massage therapist certificate candidate, like you had their dream job. Yeah. Like they would kill people to have that job. That oh you no, had. it was awesome. Back in the day, I mean like when we were doing, like, I had my own mobile massage business as well mm-hmm. um, in Calgary. And we were charging $100 an hour for sports therapy massage in the 90s. And I mean, our athletes were paying $100 US cash and not asking for change. You know, they're like, that was an amazing treatment. Can you come back again tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Right. And and away we went. Like, it was a cash cow. And, and part of it was, you know, being 25, six years old, super spry, ready to go. I mean, I rode that bus till the wheels fell off, including my arms, right? Because <laughs> um, the money was coming in. I mean, I bought my first vehicle cash, right? And and like, who does that at 25? Definitely right? not me. No, but I got I got a little Honda CRV so I could put my tables <laughs> in the back, you know, and and it was good to go. Nice, nice. Yeah. So where where were we in this whole thing? So you you worked at the chronic pain place in Calgary, worked yep. with the athletes, and then moved into spas. Yeah. Okay. So when you moved into the spas, you were spa director, but you'd mentioned something in this, in when you were doing your intro of everything you've done that you opened up all of these medical spas. Yeah, I did that actually over a nine month period. So a little fact check on earlier, I said for about three years, it was actually a nine month period. I had opened up 27 medical spas across Canada. So you owned these spas? I, I got a, I, I got a 5% stake. Uh-huh. in each location for successfully opening it. So we now still have 25 spas that are open. So I'll, I still get my my dividends every quarter, which is amazing. Residual. Amazing, yeah. But like really, guys, I had gone through a divorce and prior to getting that job. And that's part of the reason why I took it. So I would stay busy and get my mind off of things and kind of reinvent all over again. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, yeah, I'll travel across the country. It's better than staying home and being in my mind. Uh, so it was good. But then it got to the point 
after nine months, I mean, my fastest location open was six days. So remember that uh, show on TV, uh, Home, you know, Move That Bus. Oh, uh, Extreme, Extreme makeover. Home Makeover, right? Yeah. That's what it was like. I mean, we were working so intensely and I was the project lead for these locations, right? So making sure everything was synced up and to open and everything. I mean, there was a lot of pressure there. And mm. I was home four days a month, four days. And, you know, and people are like, oh, it must be so nice to travel and this and that. I'm like, listen, you're driving around in a car all day trying to find that perfect location. You're, 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 you're sleeping in a hotel room by yourself. You're eating takeout food. There's nobody to talk to. You know, after my nine months, I was, I was really burnt out and, mm. and I cashed out. I was like, guys, I can't do this anymore. But I still have my 5%. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> so that, was, that, that, was, that was a good run for me. I mean, it, it kind of allowed me to transition and heal from the personal stuff that I was going through. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, okay, now I'm ready for like just a stationary location. And uh, that's when I got the job downtown. And I was there for nearly a decade. And that was spa director. You got it. Yeah. Okay. Because I do know one of the staff, at least, that works for you. She told me that that's how you guys met. I guess she worked with you at the spa. And then when you were going out on your own, she's like, I'm following that woman. Yeah. Yeah. There was actually quite a few people that were looking to follow me, but because of my contact, contract, I had a one-year period where I could not recruit, hire, or anything. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of fish in the sea, especially here in Toronto. So I thought, you know what? I set up that company. I'm just going to let them thrive or do what they have to do, Mm -hmm. and I'll find my own staff. It's easy. Right. But finding a good nail tech these days is like a needle in a haystack. Either they've got exquisite skills but they don't have the personality for it. So they're not reliable. They're late. They, they don't they don't have a, a warm personality. Um, or they got a great engaging personality and they're super gung-ho, but they don't have the timing or the the refined skills right. in order to um, meet it. So right now I'm I'm on the search for a unicorn. That's that's <laughs> really what it is. That's really what it is. Before we talk about anything else, um, since this is sort of a segment on entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's very distinct qualities that an entrepreneur has. Is there something you would say for somebody who's like opening up or wants to venture out on their own, run their own business? Is there something you would say that uh, maybe you didn't know before and you wish somebody had told you this? No, I come from the school of hard knocks. So unfortunately, everything I've, I've learned um, I've had to learn the hard way. But the good news is, is that I've mentored so many young people. Mm-hmm. They've learned from my mistakes and they're doing so well for themselves <laughs> now, right? Um, but I think one of the keys that has kept me go- going and, and, and continues to drive me is persistence. I don't give up on anything. So if I have to follow up with somebody or if I've got to make that call or, you know, they're saying they're looking into it and I still don't hear back, I follow up on absolutely everything. And it's so key. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. I'm a fan of that. It's like the day-to-day is all about speed. The day-to-day is the long game you can have, you, you know, you can have a massive strategy for and take your time and make sure that it works out proper. But the day-to-day is about speed because the faster you can get shit done, the more shit you can get done. Agreed. Bang. That's all yeah. there is to And my stuff's always done before 12 o'clock every day. I, I, if I go into the shop, I'm fully focused on what's happening in the salon. I'm not running a payroll. I'm not, you know, placing right. an order. I'm not doing any of that stuff. I'm not planning my social media for the week. I'm not doing any of that. When I'm at work, I'm present with what's going on 
at the shop at that time. I'm mm-hmm. watching the clients. I'm seeing how they're interacting with the team. Um, but yeah, I follow up with people all the time. And I know some people don't like it. My, my mother always tells me, oh, but Monique, you always want everything a la minute. You're so impatient, right? And because Sounds I'm aware familiar, of this, I am aware of this. Um, I, I do my best to, to keep it, you know, I'm mindful of it right. all the time so that I'm not, I don't come across annoying. But at the same time, if we've agreed on something and you're supposed to deliver it, then I'm going to continue to come at you until I get it. Agreed. Right. I definitely, um, I think that's one of the characteristics of an entrepreneur is persistence. And like Mark said, it's the day-to-day stuff that can very easily get put on the back burner because it's, you know, some of the easy stuff like, oh, I'll answer this email later. No, no. he's got the mentality exactly like you, like whatever done has to be done, he just gets up and does it and it's done so then he can focus on what he has to do here and I it it was funny when you were saying um, your mom says you need things done like right then and there I always say this to him and then I have to bite my tongue like I'll say to him like okay chill it'll get done he's like but when yeah I'm like you're right it's not even that for me (laughs) it's like I think we've we have a certain amount of success in what we do and a big part of it I feel it's because we do those things on the fucking speed yeah Yeah. and then therefore if you're if you're gonna tell me slow the hell down now and put it off and do it another time or do it another day I'm like no the only reason why we're here is because we had a pattern of doing it this way why am I fucking gonna break this now Mm -hmm. I agree yeah I agree and you know what's funny guys is my partner Brady my fiance he's actually has a financial background uh, so here we are, nail salon owners, and it's like, what the heck, right? <laughs> um, he will also he will also try to put things off and postpone them, and then I'll look at him, especially with the taxes. I mean, from last year, all of our opening costs, reconciling all of that, you know, monthly costs, monthly like you know totals, everything, just all the accounting. He's like, it's okay, babe. We we'll we'll, we'll get it done. We'll get it done. And I'm like, listen, if I don't get this done. Who's going to do it? And it shut him right down. He's a lovely man and I'm, I'm, I'm <laughs> deeply in love with him, right? But he shut down and he actually came to me a couple of days later and he's like, he's like, I really was thinking about what you said when you said like, if I don't do it, who's gonna, right? And, and it's you know, true. Yeah. This, this is it. If it doesn't get done, then you don't exist. And, and why are we doing this for ourselves? I mean, even when the t- times get tough, I'll ask myself, so are you ready to go back to corporate MJ? And I'll say all different kinds of no's. Hell no. Fuck no. Absolutely <laughs> not. No. So, you know, the, you just got to kind of grunt your way through it, right? Yeah. But um, thank goodness I've got the experience um, underneath me to kind of know where I'm going. Because I know a lot of business owners that have recently, over the last two to three years, opened up their own business. And they're talking about, like, I'm a hundred to $200,000 still in debt, and we're still trying to see a profit. And for me, that's just mind-blowing. You know, I mean, we we opened our shop everything for 50 grand. Wow. Everything, right? All of the rent, the lease, the the improvements, the construction, the stock, the, like the advertising, absolutely everything for $50,000. Well, like you said, that comes it's with experience. the experience, right? And the contacts right. that I have, right? Yeah. Once you've been doing something for so long and you have the experience, that's definitely possible. Yeah. There's... I think sort of this general idea amongst like new business owners, small businesses that expect to be sort of in the red for the first three years. Like I've heard people say that, you know, like the first three years, you might not be making a lot of profit, but then things start growing. So, I mean, if you can open a business and be profitable right away, 
That's amazing. Our first month, we we opened on July thirty first, two thousand eighteen, and our first month we did eleven fifty two profit. I was one thousand one hundred fifty two dollars in our first month of being open, um, and I did not expect that. And it was it it was truly better than I had expected mm-hmm. it to be month over month, and it continues to be like when I see the cash in the cash out of the account now, I'm like I just can't believe. This is happening. And everyone's like, you doubted yourself? And I'm like, no, 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 no. I wasn't really doubting myself. It's just to actually see everything come to fruition. Mm-hmm. It's it's such a blessing, right? But as I said, I'm very focused. Um, we don't have children. We don't have a pet rock, no goldfish, nothing like that. So, <laughs> you know, it, it, it allows us to, to stay focused. And, and him and I are very particular about how we spend our downtime, Right. Mm-hmm. So that's why I'm I'm pretty fierce in the mornings and I get my stuff done so that in the evening when we're done work, because we don't close till nine on weekdays. Right. right? We can just go home, Netflix and chill. And yep. that's it. And I don't have to worry about anything until tomorrow morning. Yeah. And you can definitely see your experience. I want to go back to, okay, so perseverance is one thing yes. for an entrepreneur. Yes. Um, we've had other business owners on here and other entrepreneurs who have said in the beginning, so let's you know go back to what you were saying when you were opening up these, was it 25 locations? 20, yeah, 27, yeah. 27 locations and sleeping in hotels and eating takeout. When you are starting a business, you have to have the mentality that work is all the time in the beginning. Work is all the time. And eventually downtime exists, but in the beginning, work is all the time. Sure. And I think not a lot of people would be able to handle that. Like there's no work-life balance there's, in the there, beginning. There, there it shouldn't doesn't be. Exist. There's no f- fucking thing about work-life balance when you're starting from scratch trying to create your own. No, it's like, I don't have children, right? Mm-hmm. It wasn't to say that that was ever a conscious choice for me, that I don't want kids. It was never the issue. It's just that I was always working I didn't have the time to actually take the time out. I didn't make the time right. to take the time out to have kids. And I love children. Um, but now at my age, like I'm smelling 50. And it's like, <laughs> I'm, I, I'm not, I don't want people to ask me, is that your grandchild? I'm like, no, that's my kid. So anyways, that's, that, that's something else. But I mean, it's, it's really important to try to just, you know, n- know that if you do tr- decide to open up your own business, the big difference is... If you know you've got the expertise and the experience, your stress levels from whatever it is you're doing today will diminish so quickly in terms of always having to get a yes, always having to do the ask, always having to put in a proposal, always having to, mm-hmm. you know, make a graph and spreadsheets and show metrics and stuff to get a maybe or let's talk about it next month or next meeting or what have you. Like now, I can do anything I want just like that, mm-hmm. right? And I don't have to wait for anyone's approval to get it done. And and so my stress levels don't exist anymore. I'm not working any less than I was as a spa director. No, I'm you're most likely working more. <laughs> no, it's about the same. Oh, yeah? It's about the same, well, but there's no stress, you know, because it's mm-hmm. all up to us. Like it's yep. me, me and my partner. Is That's it. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no like... Well, how do we do it? When do we do it? Who's going to no. do it? You create you know? your own deadlines. You create your own schedule. It's 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 perfect that way. That way you're working in the mode that you want to work and mm-hmm. therefore it's not nearly as stressful. And you'll be successful if you follow the plan you have made for yourself. Right. And you have to stick to it. I mean, it's like anything, guys. It's exercising, eating, whatever. If you continue to do the same thing every day, you will see improvement over time. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter what it is in life, right? Mm-hmm. So um, I think that's probably a big thing for me is that my stress levels are not what they once were. 
because it was bad before, like just the long days and like never being able to get a yes for a simple action, you know, it taking it not saying never getting the yes, but just it being delayed so much. It, I felt like it was aging me. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, like we still haven't gotten over this hurdle yet. How are we going to resolve this? Like, can we just do it? You've just simplified a way for uh, me to explain some things to family members. I, you know, there are people who can't understand why we wanted to, like, quit our, our jobs and go out on our own and do this because we work longer hours now. We work more now. But we work, as Mark said, at our own pace, on our own deadlines, doing things the way we want to do them. I don't feel that stress. I'm not on anybody's clock. I can shift things around to suit my own schedule. And I do have children. Like you said, you didn't have kids because you were working all the time. Well, now that I do have two kids, sometimes I have to, you know, shift around things in my week to, yeah. They obviously need me around too. So yeah, for sure. No, it's I. I couldn't imagine doing what we're doing right now. And having children. But it's funny, my mother, who has 13 grandkids, she always says, we talk every day, and uh, she always says, bless you, your partner, and the little six, because that's your baby. And, <laughs> and so, so every night, because it's like it needs, it wants, it's got to have, and we don't neglect it. Like either him or I have been there every single day mm-hmm. since July 31st, with the exception of the five stat holidays that we've had, because I'm counting. <laughs> but um, like, you know, we'll, we'll split up the days. Sometimes I'll have errands and stuff. Um, so I'll do a few hours in the morning. He'll do the afternoon and then we'll we'll close up the night together or whatever it takes, right? I would definitely encourage anyone, you know, get out there and talk to real business owners because it's not in a book. You can't read read a textbook and know right. how it's going to be handled. And I think with a platform like you guys, hmm. it's inspiring and it keeps other people going to understand, hey, listen, I'm not going through this alone because that's probably one of the biggest problems with business owners is they feel like they don't have anyone to reach out to or nobody understands what right. it is they're going through or what they're struggling it with or be what lonely. they're being faced with, yeah. right? Um, but you're totally not alone because there's it doesn't matter what industry you're in, you're still faced with the same challenges, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're around a supportive community like what you guys have, you know, with the with the podcast and a lot of like-minded people listening in, you can, you know, recognize support and inspire one another, which mm-hmm. I think is awesome. How do you find working with your partner? Oh my gosh, guys, I love it. Yeah? I just love it. So you guys are a good team. I'm telling you, any of my exes, this would have never been possible, period. <laughs> That's Cause, awesome. Because there's always like a chemistry and, you know, they call it, like the millennials call it a vibe. Everyone's calling it a vibe these young kids in their lingo right (laughs) um but but in fact it's just it's just a a partial word of vibration and as massage therapists we understand that we vibrate energies and we're attracted to certain people more than others and stuff and we can feel people's energy you know when you have a patient coming in and they've had a taxing week or whatever physically you can feel that the energy is lower right whereas you know the, the vibe that me and my partner have, like, I mean, he is the absolute yin to my yang. So my previous partners, <laughs> they were more similar to me and, and had the alpha kind of 
traits and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's not to say he's not alpha as well, but he's very, very creative and he's into music and he's into like audio video and like just different things. He's got a very relaxed energy. I mean, I don't know him that well. I've only met him twice, I think, when being there, but just seems so relaxed and easygoing and happy. He's got different color hair all the time. Like he's just seems really, yeah, really chill. Yeah. He's a a lovely human being. And I mean, we've been together since 2010 and I can honestly say he still treats me as good today as he did on our first date. Aww. Yeah. <laughs> Does your role change when you go home? So like, for example, sometimes I feel like when I'm here, I'm a little bit more of the decision maker. You are. You're the boss. And then when I go home, I don't want to make a fucking decision at all. Like yeah, I just shut it down and she's like, well, what do you want to do here? I'm like, whatever <laughs> you want to do. I don't even want to decide. What do you want for dinner? I don't care. Yeah, whatever. I, I don't even want yeah. to make a decision when I'm not here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, That's and I'm, I'm with you very, very much that way. It's funny. Our dynamic is like opposite, but the it same, It is right? definitely. Even as you were saying about, like you said, when you've got the way that you do things, you do them the same every day. Yeah. He's the same. I completely respect it. But every so often, like Brady will ask, like I'll ask him, you know, is it going to affect business that much if you do this at two o'clock today? So And, and he's like, I do things the way I do things and it's working. And I, I get it. So I'll step yeah. back and let him do things. But yeah, when we're at home, no. I'm. I run the house. He runs the yeah, business. I run and, the house. <laughs> and Brady, Brady, as I said, he's an audiophile, right? Mm-hmm. He's got a YouTube channel, and like he's just really into it. So we've got like the 4K projector. We've got the the SVS speakers, Klipsch speakers. He's a spokesperson. For, like he's just, he's just into it, mm-hmm. right? And um, we also live in a condo like you guys, right? So our living dining room is just our entertainment hub. And that's his space. So that is his man cave, right? But we have a closed off kitchen, two separate bedrooms. So if I need space, I'll, I'll pick another space. But um, no, he, he kind of runs the roost at home same way. Like, he'll be like, what do you want to eat tonight? I'm like, gentleman's choice. <laughs> <laughs> gentleman's choice. What, whatever is good for you, right? Um, and he's like, oh, man. He's like, I got to get the laundry done and stuff like that. And I'm like, are we out of laundry soap? Because I we can put that on the list, but like he's the one who's kind of I'm not saying he does all the domestic stuff because we certainly split it. We're both working people. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you know I do my laundry, he does his, but I'd say he holds it down at home more than I do. I mean, if if I was still living in the condo alone, I'd still have all white walls. But because he's such a creator, I mean, we've got brick accent walls and you know 3D textured blah 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 <laughs> yeah. at home you know what I mean like LED lights and like stuff you know yeah and that's all him so he's made our house a home and I'm so grateful for that because when I can come home I walk in the door and I feel like it's really my space that I'm not just yeah. it's not just a bed to lay my head in mm. it's you so know? important to have a partner like that like it's exactly as you said I don't do all the domestic stuff I'm not yeah. you know Mark doesn't come home and put his feet up no. obviously yeah but you know, when we, laundry soap, as an example, does Mark have any idea when I'm replenishing all of the laundry soap, the dish soap? Does he have any idea how often the kids' sheets get changed? Like, no, I I keep things running at home. I can't manage all the kids' schedules. I do all of that because he's got stuff to do here. So, yeah. like, we somehow have just worked it out where I have my things, he has his, his things. And we obviously help each other out. Like, I don't do nothing here. I don't sit here and just podcast all day. He doesn't do nothing at home. But, yeah. you know, we have our, our two distinct well, roles. Well, it takes a balance. And, I mean, there there are times where, like, with the opening of the place, the construction of the place. Mm-hmm. So, me having opened up 
one of the Medispa locations in six days. That was just crazy. I was working 20-hour days sleeping on the couch at the new place, mm. right? So when we opened up this shop, we had some friends of ours, bless them, from Cambridge that I've known for nearly 20 years, and they helped us with the construction of the place. So that was part of the reason why our costs were so low for opening because it was just food and water. And then they'd come home with the entertainment system and stuff like that. So I was getting them the best that Scarborough has to offer <laughs> because we truly do have the best in terms of ethnic variety of 100%. foods, right? 100%. Don't talk to about food. But yes, 100% right? we do. Um, so, you know, we were we were doing the world tour of, of culinary uh, with, with our helpers and stuff like that. But it was interesting because I'd see them outside having a smoke. And I'd be like, fuck, man, these guys need to get working. We're supposed to be open in two weeks. And it took us three. And I, I was like, but that's 50% more of the time, right? <laughs> but they're doing it for free. And I have the love of my life helping me there. So what, like, with the other projects that I was on, I was like, if you can't get this done on time, I'll find someone who can and you can mm-hmm. leave. And that was it. Right, I didn't get angry. It just was a straight matter of fact and to the point. But you can't do that you when people are volunteering the their time, right? <laughs> so I was like, okay, be patient, MJ. Be patient. Like, reel it in. Reel it in. And they could sometimes see on my face. It was like, I'm like, look, you guys, you need a break. Like, I, I get it, right? But the tempo in which they were working, and that's probably one of my how do you call it? Uh, what do you call that? It's like one of the things that I fear for our next locations is like when these guys are going to help us open up again mm-hmm. for our other locations, it's like, how do I keep that? I don't suffer from anxiety, so I don't want to use the term too loosely, but how do you keep that anxiety from wanting to speak out and saying, you're home again? Like, you, you need what from here? Why don't you just bring the whole toolbox downstairs and deal with it? Like, like it's like you send the kids out to play, right? And every five minutes, mom, can I get a drink? Mom, I need to use the bathroom. I need da, 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 da. It's like, just take the whole fucking box, <laughs> right? So, you know, I, I, I really had to to be self-aware with all of that stuff mm-hmm. and not look like I was an ungrateful puta, right, that didn't didn't like, you know, the way they were moving because right. certainly we're all on the same team here, right? Uh, so that was definitely something that was humbling for me. And also, you know, you got to, once you get to a certain age, you, you, you got to know that the stuff that isn't so nice about you and the stuff that's amazing about you. And you've got to try to play to both of those things and keep yourself in check because there's not very many people in my life that tell me about myself, right? Brady does it sometimes. My mom will do it all the time. And then one of my best friends, right? And that's it. Most people just don't say anything to me because not to say they're afraid, but they don't want to upset me. Or they feel like, oh, you've brought so much good into my life. I don't want, I don't want to offend you, right? And I'm like, you can, you guys could talk straight. I could deal with it. I got thick skin because I know all of my shortcomings. That's an admirable trait in somebody when they understand, like you said, both the positives and negatives. Nobody's perfect. No. And I, I'm okay with constructive criticism. I'm okay with somebody telling me if I haven't done something well or whatever. But I think more often than not, people do um, hold that in and sugarcoat it because they don't want to. They don't want to upset you. Well, but also at the same time. A lot of people have a hard time taking feedback. Yeah. Right? So I think it's natural for people to like immediately put their guard up and get defensive. If you start yeah. telling them, you know, uh, you know, you didn't do this so well, or you could have been a little bit, you know, more nicer here, you know, mm-hmm. instead yeah. of telling me to take the whole fucking toolbox, you maybe could have left out the swear words. Right? <laughs> I get defensive. It's like the third right. visit. I'm just like, ah! 
you know? I get defensive really, really fast. Yeah. And but but my defensiveness always comes from like if you know it's inside my head, then maybe you wouldn't see it the way you see it. So then I feel like I have to explain why I did what I did right. or why I said it the right. way I said it or whatever the case is. And maybe if you heard this part of it, you would have taken whatever happened differently if right. you just know the chaos that goes And you know what? Here. But that goes with everybody. So we have I have an interesting example is we had um, a website inquiry from somebody who wanted to take one of our courses. Oh, and the inquiry, the person like the way they were typing things, it was coming across as very rude, you know, and aggressive. So, so he was getting like, I don't even want to work with this person, but you know, just because of, the, of their tone. And I said, okay, let's step back for a second. Maybe this person is not a nice person. I said, or maybe this person has contacted a number of other CE providers and they've given them a runaround and they've not been answering their questions directly. I said, you know, she is asking two very direct questions. Yes, you're, you're trying to explain to her, this is not how we do it. But I said, what it looks to her on her end of this, or, you know, on the other side of the screen is that you're, you're going around her questions. I'm like, so yes, yeah, she's being rude to you, but maybe this isn't her first contact with somebody. I'm like, let's just, you know, for a second, don't immediately get defensive because yes, you know, we do things this way. And anyway, so I, I get what you're saying. Like in your head, you're probably... Th- you know, you've got something else going on. She doesn't know it. She's got something else going on. You don't know it. No, it's just that they don't understand the clear picture because right. I, I get where you're coming from. It's like, oh gosh, now I've got to dial everything right down and go to square one and do a full clean mm-hmm. sweep to break it down for you. Yeah. And if you just, if you didn't understand, you could have just simply put it that way. And I would have taken the time to properly explain it to you without you copying an attitude with me because I'm here to help. Right. Right. And that's where you feel slighted. Because it's like, you guys think I'm pulling the wool over your eyes? Or you think I'm trying to pull a fast one on you? Because that's just not how we roll. And that's not right? how we do. And actually, when when uh, they did finally speak over the phone, at the end of it, she was very grateful for his patience and whatever. Mm-hmm. And, you know, was very happy with <laughs> the way that the conversation went. But all I was saying is maybe we are very honest in what we do. We're not trying to take anyone's money. We don't want people coming and taking our courses if they don't want to be here. Sure. I, I don't sell anything. Yep. You want to take a course with us? Awesome. We will help you as best we can. We'll provide the best educational experience, but I'm not trying to pull the wool over your eyes. And I think that's where the defensiveness was coming in because he knows like, no, we don't do things like that. I'm not just trying to take your money. And I was like, okay, but she doesn't know that yet. Let's... Let's not immediately jump I was over annoyed. her. You were very annoyed. I was yes. very annoyed because you're clearly on our website and then you're asking me stuff that's there. You're sta- you're telling me you're staring at our I webpage know. and I you're know. asking me questions about what's on the webpage. I'm like, okay, fine. And then she's telling me what's on the webpage and I'm like, no, that's not what's there. Like you are actually you just incorrect. Made this up. Yeah. You're making it up. <laughs> and so I was like, listen, let's consult via phone because this is a communication breakdown exactly i can give you all the information that you're asking for right now with in a in a very shorter span of time without having this really fucking weird runaround and then it was like pulling teeth and i was just like i I don't even want to do this consultation anymore and then it happened and and you know what admittedly there have been instances where expectations and you know what the client wants and 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 you know scathing emails and stuff mm-hmm. that we've received because we guarantee our work at Nailfix in the 6 right so if you have a problem within a few days up to a week we will we'll repair your it. nails we'll fix it yeah. no problem no attitude no charge no problem right but when i get the tone on the email when they've already been told then i i i get irritable Mm-hmm. Right. And that's how I would say one of my like negative moves is I get irritable. Then I'll put Brady on the front line because people just like him. Just like you mentioned, like he's just got this nice energy and this yeah. vibe about him yeah. and stuff like that. It's right. Like you. And I'll put him on the front line 
and he will manage it, handle it like a champion. Yeah. And then it's good. And like, I'm just like, I, I don't want to talk to them. I don't want to talk to them. We, I don't we have it. the same dynamic. Every so yeah. often, Mark has to throw me and in. And it's not often, but like maybe once, twice a month. Yeah, not a lot. Yeah. But so yeah. often, he'll have to throw me in because he'll say, people respond to you. People think I'm an asshole. So he'll have to th- throw me in to do something. Yeah. And it's funny because it's the same thing with massage therapy. I used to remember this. Um, you'd meet a client. And we're, we're trained as massage therapists not to judge anyone, right? Mm. To just treat them holistically. But you meet a client and the energy just isn't matching. It's like you instantly don't like them or they instantly don't like yeah. you for whatever reason, on appearances only, right? And I've caught that vibe so many times being a well-spoken woman in Scarborough, um, <laughs> in the salon, Right. And people catch that vibe when they walk in, they don't like it. But mm. then Brady can go up to them and smile at them with his beautiful green eyes. And they're good. And he's not trying to charm them. He's not coming across like creepy or nothing like right. that. But they just like his vibe. No, there's literally nothing creepy about it. Like he's very just nothing. Like very, very. And he'll always say, Oh, my guy. wife over here. And he, he'll, he'll always introduce me. So there's no, there's nothing weird about it, period. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, sometimes people, it's, and you can't explain it. It's just an energy thing, right? It is an energy. And I'm it's like, exactly... I'm not putting off the bad vibe. Like, I'm not feeling irritable right <laughs> You're now. You're not, right? but it's, it's not about you. When somebody doesn't respond to your energy, it's never about you. Yeah. It's the fact that you are, as you said, you're a well-spoken, you're a powerful woman, you're an alpha woman, and some other women would feel intimidated by that. Some other women would feel, um, I guess it's jealousy, really. It's like, but you're like, hi, welcome. How can I help you today? And I, I don't like the word jealous. I mean, I feel that it's a very negative. It's almost, it's, it ranks right up there with hate, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. um, to be envious of someone, in my opinion, we all have definitions for our own words, yeah. but like to be envious is to strive to what they have, you know, and you're trying to like make a goal and being like, wow, I love how they're doing this or doing that, I would love to be that way as well. But when it's somebody who, as I said, is is not feeling it and like you get that vibe, they're not attracted to your energy. Like they're, yeah. you know, for some reason they don't like you. It's beyond them wanting to strive to be you. It's more that because of their own um, insecurities likely might have this idea that you think you're better than them because you have what they don't have. And it's sad, but it, it is reality because sometimes people just don't like you for what? You said, hi, how are you? You smiled and they don't like you? Yeah, it's 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 an odd dynamic. And I think out of all, and I mean, I've worked all in five-star hotels, locations, everything, my whole life, all luxury, right? This is this is a nail salon in Scarborough we're dealing with right now, right? And I've tried to dial it down and I've tried to not be so proper and professional and, and like, you know, be a little bit more looser and engaging and stuff. And I'd say for me, sometimes it still challenges me. I'm like, but I didn't do anything, right? <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's like, you're just trying to be welcome. And and I think also too, we've, we're, we're setting a new standard for nail salons in, mm-hmm. in, uh, on the East End, especially, I mean, all of our, all of our staff are English speaking. Uh, my, my parents are immigrants. My mother's Asian, right? So it's not to cut down any of the, the Asian owned salons because I know they work very hard, but there's real good proper communication that happens at mm-hmm. our shop. When people walk into our environment, they've got the music playing and the 4K TV and everything. It's, it's like, a different, it's a different feeling, vibe. Yeah. So some people may feel a little off put and I try to empathize with what they're going through, but sometimes I just don't understand. I'm like, but I didn't do anything. <laughs> Right? You know what, though? It's like we always say, you're not going to appeal to everyone. Certainly like your not. shop definitely has, um, you know, a target audience that's going to come there. 
I like the vibe there. Like it's very different from anything I've ever been in. You know, you don't have CP24 on all the TVs. You've got, like you said, the big 4K TV with whatever. The video I, walking I get, tours. I get mesmerized yeah, by the video, the video walking, walking tours. tours. And you've yeah. got loud music. Like yeah. it's, it's yeah, it's kind of fun. I like it there. Yeah, it's a good place to kind of de-stress and unplug. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So after leaving the corporate world, now you've opened up your own shop. You guys are looking to open up six, you said? Six Five in, more. Six Five in more. the six? Yeah, six in the six. <laughs> that's it. Are they all going to be called Nail Fix in the six? They are. How do you decide location? Well, that's part of the secret sauce. Mm. Uh, so it's, it's demographics. It's street traffic. It's counting cars to see how many vehicles are passing by, checking out proper parking. I mean, there, there's a lot of key factors that go into determining a location. Mm-hmm. You can't just be like, okay, well, here's a location yep. that this this will work. The rent is cheap because maybe it doesn't have the traffic that you're looking for your right. particular business, right? There are some really sweet spots in the city that, and I've, I've been working with a couple of a, a commercial agents um, that I've been looking into. Uh, we're, we're not going to do franchise. We are um, looking for shareholder structure okay. uh, all under the corporation so everybody can contribute as voting members. We're not selling stocks or shares to the business unless someone has an invested stake and they're they're willing to work and run that location. It's not just going to be something publicly traded. Right. I mean, our goal is in the next, I don't know, six years is to, to, to sell the whole thing and uh, just cash out. We started with our stocks at uh, $500. Uh, they're at $2,400 right now. And we're hoping when we cash out, our target is 18000 Okay. For sure. Yeah. So that'll that'll be really, really good for kind of the, the early retirement plan. So yeah. we're working pretty fiercely to scale. And I like the structure and I like the people that we brought along the way so far. So it's 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 been very rewarding in that regard. So awesome. I'm so glad you guys are doing doing well there. I I was so excited. I'll still I'll I still remember the day I came in. You guys hadn't even opened yet. Yeah. And I was walking with my youngest daughter. She was in a stroller. Like I she remember. was little little. And I was out for a walk. I'm like, "What? There's a nail salon like 2 seconds from where I live. This is amazing." And I came in and you guys were like so welcoming and I got to come in like during the soft opening yeah. kind of thing and yeah. Well, we had we had the windows covered up with paper for all of July. And once all the furniture and the stock had came in, Brady's like, I'm taking these, 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 the paper off the windows. He goes, I need to see outside. Can't be working in a dungeon anymore like this. And I was like, but babe, it's not ready. And he's like, it doesn't matter. I'm taking them off. So I'm like, okay, I digress. And as soon as he took that paper mm-hmm. off of the windows people started walking in i need a mani pedi i need and i'm like we have paint cans we had a ladder <laughs> not open there yet. was no there was no um audio there was no no tv there was nothing and they're like that's fine it's caravana weekend we need to get <laughs> yeah, our nails done. Right. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah i remember when i came in you guys still there was like nothing was up there was no tv there was no light actually brady was doing lighting while i was there getting yep. my nails done and yeah. you know i didn't care at all i was just I, the service was great your staff are all like super friendly it was I sent tons of people there anybody who wants to know where I get my nails done like right there right there yeah well we appreciate that I mean Google's been very kind to us and our clients have been very kind to us Um, we've got a five-star rating on Google we've got near 70 reviews 
Um, and we've actually had people coming into the shop saying, um, I've never seen a five-star slot before. So I can come <laughs> in and see what it's about. So uh, that, that's been an interesting icebreaker for us as well. Awesome. Yeah. Well, for anybody that's listening that maybe lives in the East End or not in the East End, if they're willing to travel, I know when I like somebody, I will travel. I've been seeing sure. the same hairstylist since I was 17. That's awesome. And I don't care if I have to drive across the city to see her because she's my girl. So uh, where can people find you? Maybe do you have a website, social media pages? Where can people find you? So um, everything, uh, Facebook, Instagram, and the web, it's Nail Fix Numeric 6. So Nail Fix 6, uh, at Nail Fix 6, Instagram and Facebook, and uh, www.nailfix6.ca. Because we're awesome. Canada. Right. That's right. <laughs> Anything else you want to ask, MJ? Yeah. When you uh, sell this bad boy, you said early retirement. Yeah. Is that is that like, I'm not doing anything else? I'm not venturing into some other business? or You know, you never you say know. never, yeah. right? Um, one thing that, because I haven't had to say for a child's college fund or anything like that, what him and I have been doing is we've been investing in real estate. Mm. So, and we've been targeting a lot of pre-builds. Um, so that's kind of the retirement fund for us. Never say never. I mean, I don't know. It depends. Like, you know, what's our energy? What's our health going to be like in the next six years? Like, how are we going to be feeling? Where are we going to be at in this whole game right. here? Um, as I said, my partner, he's really into the audiovisual um, stuff. And he's been talking about doing some distribution and, and stuff like that for AV. But you never know. And I'm, I'm not one to really paint a picture because like life changes right and and I, I definitely know that you may think you're on one trajectory and and destiny god whatever it is you believe in you know puts you on another mm -hmm. path right so and and nothing happens by coincidence so you just gotta embrace it yeah you're not not gonna work that's for sure. Yeah, you know absolutely that, right? not. Yeah, absolutely <laughs> not working. Yeah, absolutely, we're probably not. Um, I know that when I took six months off uh, from January till June last year, I stayed at home because I didn't want to spend money because I'm frugal. It, it it bothered me. Like I didn't like it. And I was planning the business and doing all of that stuff, but I just like I just didn't. I felt like I was not contributing to the world as I best could. It's a very very strange feeling since having the kids. I work only a fraction of what I did pre-children. And although I am still working in of this, course. you know, I'm, I'm a mom, I'm always working. It's a job, yeah. It's a job, but it's, I don't know, there's still days where I have to go to Mark and make like him slap me in the face or whatever and snap me out of it where I'm like, I'm so useless. Like I'm not doing anything because- Feeling disconnected, it's yeah. A, it's a very, very strange feeling, not like- yeah having an actual like job job to get up every day and go to and you know I've got things I have to do because sometimes I just have to slow down and be with the kids I like feeling disconnected though I've got I've only got two modes it's either I'm really into what I'm doing and I can't wait to do it and I can't wait to make it grow and then when I shut it down I want to stay shut down it takes yeah. it takes a lot to get me out of this mode yeah. and then when I'm out of this mode it takes me a lot to get me back into it cuz yeah. I can stay fucking dormant like a bear all winter <laughs> I can lay dormant like a bear and I'd be fucking Don't happy poke the with bear. that <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, no, it's it's I, I switch on and off a lot too, and that's why I don't like to take personal calls while I'm on 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 work time. I just don't. I I can't transition. My mind does not work that way. If Brady calls me regarding a personal matter, let's say I'm at the shop and he's at home, I got nothing. I'm like, can we wait till after work and talk about this? Because mm-hmm. I don't want to make any decisions. I can't connect. I don't feel it. It's a completely different thing. Like it's it's literally plug in, plug out. I can't do both. I love having you here right now because I'm getting a woman's like ex. Explanation to everything I deal with every day. That's so this funny. is so interesting. Thanks. So I'm like the female version of Mark. <laughs> like almost exactly. I I kind of wanted to ask you when your birthday is. Honestly, I'm like I it's feel next like month. It's next month. Next month is what May. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I hate to be the stereotype, but I really am. I'm I'm a Taurus. I'm supposed to be a Gemini. Leo. Okay. S- similar. Yeah. Similar. Strong personality, right? But you know, very loyal. Very like I'm a very very loyal person. Mm-hmm. And and as the, as they now say in the these days, like I'm a real one, you know, I try to stay too true to myself and my values. And like, I really need to be able to sleep at night. So doing bad things and stuff. Sometimes it used to keep me up at night with the way I would see people treating others. Mm -hmm. um, Because I'm very sensitive. Right. I don't come across that way, but the way people treat others really impacts me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I really love doing my own thing, because I can surround myself. I can choose who's around me rather right. than being submerged into, you know, a plethora of good, bad and evil personalities. Right. So I, I, I'm so thankful for that. And to be able to help and contribute to people who are on that sim- similar wavelength mm-hmm. really, really means a lot to me. Like, so thankful for that because toxic people and me don't do good together at all. Toxic people don't do well with anyone, but being able to recognize them and remove them from though. your life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> people do tolerate it. Right. And, and, and they let, let them make like a mess out of everything, you mm-hmm. know, and like, I, I'm just not the one. I have no time for that. No patience. You got so many things going on. And as Mark said, I don't think that, I don't think you're going to stop to be quite honest with you, I think something is next after Nail Fix in the Six. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's good to be present. There's been a lot of talk about that too, right? And mm-hmm. just to like be here and in mm-hmm. the now, right? So to always be worrying about what's coming next, then like how how present am I in enjoying today, yeah. right? And uh, we've recently had some family members pass away over the last, three people pass away over the last few weeks. Um, So again, it's that that kind of wake up call to say, you know, enjoy every moment, enjoy every day, enjoy Mm -hmm. the people that you're with and be thankful for everything and always know you have everything you need right now. Yeah. Right? Not this, I don't have, I still need, I got to get. Like, you, you you, will always have everything you need. I think that's a good place to end it. Very motivational. Right on. Right on, right on. Right on, right on. It's like you've listened to him before. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thanks so much for having me, guys. I really appreciate the opportunity. And... Uh, Looking forward to uh, maybe collabing with you guys again in the future. Sounds good. Yes, Sounds ma'am. Great. You guys have been listening to Two Massage Therapists in a Microphone. Peace. <laughs>